Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Oof, tough one last night for the Wild, Jim. They score first, but then Nashville flips the script immediately, puts in a couple of quick ones, and then the route was on after that. Kind of, It's a weird team, and they've had very good stretches, and they've had stretches where they just looked incompetent or non-competitive. And last mm-hmm. night, after that first goal, getting outscored 6-0 in what you feel like is probably a must-win game, that's a, that's a bad look. Uh, there's something, you know, it feels like there's something more wrong with this franchise and this roster than just, you know, the, the odd injury here or there. I mean, that, when they've been bad, they've been horrendous. Yeah, and uh, certainly last night uh, was one of those. And, and after the game, Hines talked about them just not having a spark. Uh, he thought it had been the first time in a while, but they've had some games like that this year where they're just kind of going through the motions. Yeah, they basically had two lulls. Were collapses. One got, you know, Evison fired, and the next one uh, really hurt them after they had a nice bounce back under Hines. And last night was just, I mean, you know, it, they lost. The loss to Carolina was more just a, a normal hockey loss. They're playing a good team and didn't get any bounces. That happens. This last night, that was just like. That was kind of you telling us uh, you don't really want to make the playoffs. Yeah, you want the summer off. Yeah, because now they are eight points back. They have to leapfrog yep. four teams. That's the big part of it. Yep, twelve games left. They got to pass four teams. You got to make up eight points on. And you know, Nashville's playing great right now. The Kings have two games in hand, or one, I think maybe one game in hand over the Wolf, uh, over the Wild, mm-hmm. one or two. Um, Calgary's starting to get hot. St. Louis isn't easy to play against. They have to go play at St. Louis. Um, so mathematically, there's still a chance. Realistically, I don't. I don't really think so. Yeah. Uh, twin spring training continues. Byron Buxton talking a little bit yesterday, saying he's trying to get in, outfield work wherever he can. He's feeling a little rusty, but once those instincts kick in uh, for him, he should be fine in center field, I would think. Yes, he's going to have, you know, have had four to six weeks of drills and spring training games to ramp up and get comfortable out there. And, and listen, opening day is a big symbolic thing for baseball fans. Uh, and I've spent many spring trainings trying to figure out what the opening day roster is going to be, what the opening day lineup is going to be. Mm-hmm. And then you realize like a week or two later, well, everything I spent all that time writing about just changed. You know, <laughs> as soon as one person gets hurt, one person has a failure or whatever. So, you know, all that really matters is Buxton's healthy by the end of spring. If he's healthy at the end of spring, he will play a great center field, and he should be an offensive force. Uh, I think health is all that really matters for him. Yeah, kind of for Carlos Correa, too. You know, he played through that plantar fasciitis, uh, not comfortable at all to play with uh, last year, and and struggled offensively by his standards, but then really lit it up in the playoffs where he did lead the team there. It's kind of the thing for him, too. Yeah, and uh, somebody, an employee of the team came up to me during the playoffs last year. He said that Correa walked up to him at the end of the regular season and said, okay, I'm going to flip the switch now, and he did. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it's also... You know, not easy, but it's easier to play through an injury when it's a limited, you know, it's a, it's a limited number of games and you're trying to avoid being eliminated rather than just guiding yourself through the whole course of the season. He, he also told some people last year toward the end of the year that if he hadn't just signed a huge contract and if the team wasn't, you know, struggling to make the playoffs, he might have taken two weeks off or a month off trying to get right, but he just didn't feel like he could do it under the circumstances because the Twins weren't in a very comfortable position and he just signed the massive deal. Yeah, I've heard guys describe that as it's like a knife sticking in the bottom of your foot. Yep. Uh, so can't be too comfortable for him to play with, that's for sure. 
No, and you know anything that affects your stride when you're trying to hit a 100-mile-an-hour fastball or react to a curveball is not going to be real comfortable either. Yeah. Uh, Joe Ryan pitching in today's spring training game for the Twins. What do you think uh, that are reasonable expectations for Ryan this year? Well, he would look really good at the beginning of last year. He studies the game. He reads hitters really well. He has a really interesting pitch mix. Uh, and then he kind of tried to hide that injury from the Twins middle of last season, and he really was never quite the same after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, you know, and it had, had, I'm guessing it had to be the injury. So I think if he's healthy, you know, it's him and Paddock kind of fighting, fighting to be the number two starter on this roster, well, it, along with Ober. I mean, they basically have three guys who could be a number two. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan has probably the most experience of the three uh, at this point. And, you know, he might be that guy, but I don't know. I mean, really, if they can just get Ryan, Ober, and Paddock to pitch a lot, pitch a, pitch a reasonable amount of innings at a reasonable ERA this year, I think the combination of defense, fielding, and run support is probably going to leave them in pretty good, pretty good position. For me, Bailey Ober really pitched above my expectations for him last year. I mean, he didn't even start with the big league club to begin the year, but once he came up, he pitched with a chip on his shoulder and and uh, pitched really well. I, he he could he could be up there uh, fighting for that uh, two spot. He's really improved. Uh, yeah, he. I thought he was really impressive last year, mm-hmm. and he really knows how to pitch. Uh, you know, he's he, he's good. You know, mm-hmm. and for, for so for really for me for those three. Paddock is the biggest question mark just because two Tommy John surgeries, yeah. dominant in short stints last year, and we just want to see how he can translate that dominant stuff into a starter's role where he has to pace himself for five or six innings at least. Um, you know, Ober, I think, showed that he's a really good big league pitcher last year. He should be able to pitch more innings this year, assuming good health. Ryan, I think if he stays healthy, he's a good major league pitcher. Um, but there's always variance, you know? I mean, it, it, it's and, and the variance often has to do with health. So, mm-hmm. I think Paddock has the Paddock has as good a stuff as anybody on the staff. Uh, will it translate in him pitching five or six innings at a time? That'll probably determine whether he ends up becoming the de facto number two pitcher or not. Boy, it looked good uh, yesterday, two hitless innings. So fingers crossed for Chris Paddock to be able to to stay healthy with his arm all season. He certainly has the talent and the stuff to be a quality starter. Yeah, they really targeted him for a long time. They really mm-hmm. looked at him and said, "Man, if he if we can get him to to." You know, adapt his pitches, and uh, you know, I think they want his slider to be a little more of a vertical drop, so it's a little more different than his fastball. Uh, they, they thought if they change his pitch, pitch makeup, pitch selection, they, they could see him being really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting. I saw an uh, article the other day that said it looks like the Twins have changed their philosophy on their hitting a little bit when they replaced, um, you know, Joey Gallo with Santana, and then they replaced Taylor with Margot. Uh, not as much power, but a lot lower strikeout rates as well for those two new guys. Is that just kind of anecdotal, or might there be a little change? Because it seems like the game itself is changing somewhat, looking for guys to put the ball in play more. It's. I don't think it's a big shift in philosophy. Mm-hmm. One thing they will tell you sometimes publicly, usually privately is that all the, the complaints about strikeouts in their eyes through their analytics with their supercomputers and all the people they hired to run, break this stuff down, mm-hmm. say strikeouts are just really overrated as a negative. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said, you know, you don't win games by avoiding strikeouts. You win games by hitting the ball hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, 
with Gallo, listen, it was, it was a swing and a miss, but they thought that this is a guy with star capability and it would never have, if they didn't sign him last year, coming off a bad year, and just see what he had to offer, they thought they'd never have a chance to have him. They just took a, it was a roll of the dice, mm-hmm. and it didn't really work out. Mm-hmm. Um, Santana is a little more of a surgical signing in that Kirilov has not been able to stay healthy. Um, Santana could be your everyday first baseman with his skills, his experience, his fielding. He could be your everyday first baseman. He could platoon with Kirilov. He could DH. They just felt like he fit them so well and gave him a lot of insurance against Kirilov continuing to struggle either with health or you know product- productivity. Um, and Margot. You know, listen. I think they'd love to have Michael Taylor back. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wants. He wanted to turn his very good year last year into a multi-year lucrative contract, and the Twins just want him to be a one-year backup center fielder. So they ah. just didn't have it. So it wasn't really going away from uh, strikeouts and home runs. It was more that Taylor didn't want to sign a one-year deal for a reasonable amount of money here, so they traded for Margot. I see. All right. Very good. Uh, Wolves in Sacramento tonight. You know, the Kings were kind of the darlings of the league last year. They were residing near the top of the Western Conference standings all season. They've got Halliburton and and uh, the Sabonis kid uh, in the middle. It's been more of a struggle for them this year. Yeah, and uh, I think we started seeing midway through last year the defense just wasn't very good. Yeah, uh, they were they they were scoring at a ridiculous rate, ridiculous efficiency. Fox was playing great. Sabonis was playing great, and they were beating people 140 to 125. And it's just hard to keep that up. And that's one thing you're seeing when you watch the Timberwolves games this year. They will have games where their offense looks terrible in the first quarter or terrible in the first half or clunky or looks like the ball isn't moving as well as it should be. And their defense will keep them in it, and all they have to do is have one good scoring quarter in the second half, and they win it. Mm-hmm. The, the Kings don't have that luxury. They have to score big, num- big numbers every night to have a chance to win, which – Listen, they're still very talented. They're a good team, but it makes them makes them a really good matchup for the Timberwolves because yeah. the Timberwolves are just not going to give them a lot of easy buckets. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, be opposed to a first round matchup uh, with Sacramento. No. Yeah, Halliburton's in Indiana. I was thinking of Darren Fox, of course. Right, uh, Jim. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Great, thanks, Todd. Live at five sports at Todd and Suhan. Brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Rambo pregame coverage for Cardinal Hoops tonight at seven.